This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 655, brought to you by Harry's. To get your trial shave set, go to harrys.com slash iFanboy right now. That's harrys.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. I listen to you time and time again. While you tell me just what's right And you tell me a thousand things a day Then sleep somewhere else at night Going back to Kansas Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 655 I, There was a little crack in my voice there, wasn't there? We get emotional doing the show It's been a long time <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard with tears streaming down my face and all this. <laughs> I am Josh Flanagan. This is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. And God damn it, I'm just so happy. We're the Irishest show in, in the comics dome. Don't listen, Scotsman. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't. We are, it's regional. We are, I looked all over Ireland for something that said Kilpatrick on it, and that shit did not exist. Which is uh, odd, yeah. because Kilpatrick means church of patrick and they're super into patrick there so you tell me i don't know i don't know we are i fanboy every week we read our stack of comics and one of us picks their favorite book and we call that the pick of the week and then we discuss gaelic lore or 90s pop culture but we could do gaelic lore this week we talk about it'll be a short show because my (laughs) my sort of like uh anecdotal like yes i know this thing is almost over I i almost already went through my catalog we talk about that book, other books from the week, the patron pick, and maybe if we have time, we'll read some listener mail. The idea here is entertainment mm. for someone. I'm not promising who. <laughs> it might just be us. And maybe it will be, you know, maybe it will be entertaining, but not for the right reasons. That's I don't true. know. Uh, I will tell you that if you haven't read your books and you're like, I don't want to know what happens in them, you should stop listening until after you have, because we will spoil those books for you. We will say what happens in it. Not... Not uh, with with uh, malice in no. mind. No. Not because of that, but because in order to uh, properly analyze, discuss, and, and come to an understanding about them, we're going to have to talk about the details of those books. It's the cost of doing business. It, it's it, This is just how it goes. Yeah. If I could change it, I, you know I would. Sure. You, you know, Connor. Uh-huh. I've been talking about it for years. How do we do this? Without talking about the books. I don't know. It's like it's like the fusion question. No one can solve it. There's just too much extra energy left over. True. True. Connor, you have the pick. I do have the pick, and the pick is the Avengers number nine or Legacy number six ninety nine. I like that number a lot better. Jason Aaron, David Marquez, Justin Ponsor, Corey Pettit. And we talked about this with the last issue, number eight, which the the big last page reveal was the appearance of Namor, the submariner. One of our favorite characters. And uh, this issue, I think I said it last week, but this issue might have been my favorite issue. This this book's starting to get on a roll. This is a classic Marvel comic. You have Namor confronting King Shark. Is it King Shark? Tiger Shark. King King Shark Shark is DC. Went through that same thing. Tiger Shark. And also Stingray, who is a character, I think, I feel like I picture... On a cover of a book from the early 90s or late 80s, and I can't remember what book it is. It might be an Iron Man book. I can see it. I know what you're talking about. It's uh, like he's in the he's in the center. 
yes. of the frame and around them is other characters in this blue-green sort of ocean color. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I, I, it's in my head. Anyway, he Namor confronts them and uses his war sharks. This is very much a Jason Aaron situation, very similar to his space sharks, to dispatch Stingray, who's now dead. Anyway, Namor's pissed. He's mad at the surface world. What else is new? He's been mad at the surface world since 1938. And the Avengers go under, under the sea to talk to him. But he doesn't want to talk. He wants to fight. And I just loved everything about this issue. Although there's one thing I didn't love we can discuss after talking about how, how much fun it was to read. I'm gonna I'm trying to figure out what it was you did. I I don't know that I I came across that I thought that that would be an obvious pick. I did enjoy it for a lot of reasons. When you picked it, I didn't go. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I went. But then but then the fact that the the way that this works though is that I read something like that. I enjoyed it. I had a really good time reading it, and I I thought the same thing. I was like, there he goes with the sharks again. <laughs> And, and I'm I'm fine with that, by the way. I just I want that to be clear. He might have a problem with Wedge Antilles, but he seems to respect the shark. The shark over the gorilla as a sort of pop culture uh, pulp device, mm-hmm. to me, is a better choice. Sure. Shark. So there's the war sharks, but also you've got tiger sharks. So you've got a dual shark thing happening here. And, and I liked that it was a no-holds-barred Namor. The next book we're going to talk about, I think you're not reading anymore, but it was a very similar plot line. It's basically... Yeah, the the really tough person taking out the Avengers one-on-one in their element. And I like seeing Namor in his element where he is, he's a badass. We, we've said it for years. We're gonna, it's part of our platform and we're mm-hmm. never going to deny it. I love that he took everyone down basically until he got to Captain America who you will, Marvel fans will know he was, they were together in World War II and so they have a long history. And, and I, loved, I loved the scene where Cap just sort of floats behind him and says, stand down. The next person you have to fight is me, and he's like, "Ah, I'm not going to fight you." I, I love, I mean, you know, as an old school, yeah, Invaders fan, I really loved that sequence. I liked that it it because basically this is almost it's not a recasting of Namor, but it is a reestablishment and has been skewed slightly from where we knew him last. The last I remember seeing Namor sort of regularly would have been in the Illuminati, mm-hmm. where he was sort of heavily involved in in wide ranging Marvel Universe stuff. So he was ostensibly a good guy because he was uh, you know cast as well he's the original anti-hero so he's always on that line but you know if you think about like the beginning of the marvel like he was attacking earth i mean uh, the 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 land people he was a bad he was a terrorist he was a bad person Mm -hmm. they have floated that line going back and forth almost like like a a, a sort of the way that they do with lex Luthor a little bit Mm, i wouldn't say he's quite as villainous as lex Luthor, but he he floats the line between bad and good he definitely does he does, but you know, in recent years, Luther really hasn't been a bad guy to anybody except Superman. I mean, I might put him more in the Loki camp. Okay, that works too. It's it's not this, it's not exactly the same, but it is a no. thing where like it's this uh, malleable character who sort of they use it anyway. So we've got a recasting and even sort of a reestablishment because he does a lot of explaining about who he is, which I don't think is a bad idea. Well, he hasn't really been around in a while, right. which I don't understand. He's not in the movies. That's why. He may not be that familiar to people who have been only been reading books for the last 10 years. So with that in mind, you know, the fact that he still chose to acknowledge the sort of Captain America invaders relationship, I thought was a good move. Um, there was one little bit in here that I noticed that stood out. I don't remember who said it. I think it was Iron Man. But it was something along the lines of like, I forgot how fast he is in the water. And I yeah. was like, that is an excellent bit of sort of 
establishing sort of who he is. I liked, I liked his attitude when he's uh, facing Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. He's just like every wench in the sea would kill to lay their hands on my bare flesh, and I was like, "Badass!" <laughs> and then he's like, "But don't ever touch me again," which I liked. There was a lot of really good things here. There were, and the, so the only thing I felt myself kind of not liking is, and I felt I don't love his costume. I don't, I don't think I rec- recognize the fact that his pants are mesh on the side until the last page. Oh yeah, like those yoga. I get why they did it, but I feel like. Namor needs the flat top because it's the it's the dickishest haircut there is. Well, and when he has that flat top, he's just even ten times much more of a dick. Yeah, but it makes him look like a like a, it would make him look like more of an out of touch dork. And I think that this can't look like an out of touch dork. I don't think, I think it does. That... <laughs> he looks like an asshole. He, the, I mean, the only thing is, he's a little. If anything, I would say he's sort of a little too far. Yeah, he's he's they've taken him into like romance territory with the flowing hair and the bare chest. I mean, yeah, he's always I, I don't chest. know if that really, but it might not be mesh. It might just be a it might just be a pattern. I'm we could say like shocker. Yeah, maybe 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 it's that. It, I, I lived with it though. I just this was a thought I had not even yeah. before picking it. This was a thought I had like a day later. I was like, well, you really said hair. I mean, the hair. The, name me one pop culture character with a flat top who isn't an asshole. There's probably one out there, but they're mostly the other on the other side. Star, Star Fox? Nope. Eros? Well, those aren't really flat tops. Those are the curled. Oh, you're curled right. Heads. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm reaching. I'm definitely. Uh, what about what about that guy who's on the Shi'ar? He's the strong what, centurion. Centurion. I don't know. Does he have like a flat top? Maybe. So the events of the first arc where the celestial fell to Earth also affected the seas, of I course. Like that. It fell into the sea and poisoned Atla- uh, Atlantis, and now Atlantis is all fucked up. It's a bunch of kids fleed because there's no food, and they ended up dying on the on a beach because they couldn't breathe the air. He's he's a half breed. He's he's exactly like Aquaman. Yeah, and I loved how he killed the who were the guys the murderers. The, the, the whole thing was he, they had taken some rocks and guys captive. The Avengers were trying to get him out, yeah. and they did, and then they put him in prison, and then. It, and then somehow Namor just flooded their cell with seawater from the, the, the toilet and killed them. I love that because he's ruthless. I can. I, well, he he murdered. Is it the ray, the manta ray, whatever he is? He murdered him. Yeah, with sharks. Like that's pretty hard to come back from. He also punches the bejesus at him. But to me, the best page in this though, it's on mm-hmm. page three, best mm-hmm. panel. Namor starts to punch him, and on the last uh, second to last panel of the page. Uh, tiger shark is overwhelmed he's like whoa <laughs> tiger shark is looks concerned and he he was just trying to bite the guy in half moments ago but the punching was too much yeah, for him. yeah brutal yeah it's just fun and in the same way that jason aaron's really good at writing the asgardians namor is very similar the sort of pompous royalty and so he's yeah. He's very good at this, and so, of course, they announced there's going to be an Invaders book, so that's probably why they, they brought this all back. Now, Namor has his own little team, the Defenders of the Deep. That was kind of dumb, but... Not the great, greatest name, especially since there's already Defenders. Yeah. It's got Tiger Shark and... Other various other fish, characters. Fish people. <laughs> it's a crab folk. There's this guy a wearing an orca as a suit? I, d- I don't know, because that's not... There's a There's a DC version of that. I've seen this character. I've seen all these characters, but I don't know their names. You know what I love about this more than anything? What? Ghost Rider is ridiculous. 
<laughs> and this takes in this book and also the book where we talk about after this. He's ridiculous. He's driving his car on the seafloor. <laughs> he drives his car everywhere and it doesn't make any sense. And they just go with it. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, it's great. I really wanted to love this book. It, it didn't. I didn't love it out of the gate, but I'm I'm loving it now. It's an Avengers book, you know, like, and I haven't, yeah, I haven't felt like I've had Avengers book that's been sort of, of Avenger worthy in a while, for sure. And that made me really happy. I kept coming back to it whenever I read anything else, and I just looked at that cover with Namor on it, and I was like, yes, oh, this is everything I want. He's like Kang, who also showed up this week somewhere. Mm-hmm. He's a classic Marvel character. It's it's true. Uh, Namor and Kang are the two are the two sort of big missing people from the from the movies. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the real roots Marvel characters. I'm surprised they haven't used Kang yet. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Immortal Hulk number seven. This is a book. There's some books where I'm like, do I do I do I like this book? Yeah. Do, do I want to keep reading it? And then I read it and I enjoy it. This is Al Ewing and Joe Bennett as always, and similarly to the Avengers, this is. Hulk versus the Avengers, where he's obviously been out of control, and they've come to stop him, and it's, it's very similar. There's a lot of one-on-one fights where he takes everybody out. Well, I liked the first scene a lot, where they, the Hulk yes. was like, it was like a Category 5 storm. Everyone had to evacuate very quickly, and and then their house gets destroyed, this family that we see in the beginning. I liked that scene a lot. I also liked that the girl has a little classic Secret Wars Iron Man toy. Oh, that's the good... Well, no, 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 well era but that toy that you were talking about had no knee joints no no he has the knee joints but it's the same it's the same suit. suit yeah hulk is hard a hard character because you don't want to be too powerful even though he's well, the most powerful and this isn't the book for you <laughs> no it's a, it's a tough it's a tough line because it has to be compelling there has to otherwise it's it, it's not it's even worse than superman problem because superman is, at least has a moral compass that's guiding his power if, if you've got this rage monster that can't be stopped by anybody then there's really no drama in this in this story, so they, it's a hard line to ride, is what I'm saying. It was good though. I, this might have been my favorite Hulk issue. Yeah, I think because it, it's it did set the table a little bit, where it sort of established where we were with this Hulk and what the difference is and where he is in the world. Because for a little while, it was it was almost like, is this an Elseworlds Hulk thing? Mm-hmm. And this sort of firmly plants him back in the Marvel universe. I liked that. It's a little like the movies in that like they're very challenged by the Hulk, and I think that that works really well. And then this is it's going to almost seem antithetical because it seems inconsistent. It's inconsistent though, because the characterizations of this are pr- are uh, far off from the other book we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, She Hulk very specifically is you know like, but but I kind of like that they're just doing their thing. I really liked the moral logistics of what was happening here. Mm. I mean, it, it was a heavy-handed like should we use Project Helios? No, let's not. Well, should we? You know, they clear everybody out. You know, they wrecked everybody's houses. You know, <laughs> yeah, they made that choice. They, they you know, nobody, they didn't let anybody get hurt. So there was no casualty in that. In that, they just way. bankrupted everyone. Yeah, basically. So, what did you think of the ending? Because this has ostensibly been a horror book. Mm-hmm. So the the whole thing was they shoot him with this giant ray gun from space, and he's dead supposedly. Although Hulk can't die. And the next thing we see is he wakes up. Upside down, there's a guy talking to him on one of those douchey hoverboards. And we the reveal is that Hulk's various body parts are in jars. Mm-hmm. And his head is up, upside down. That's why he's seeing upside down. This is the part where it gets a little dicey for me. I know he can't die, but it's like, this is a little weird. But they bring it back to the horror thing. I, I mean, to me, 
Hulk books have very rarely held me for very long. Mm -hmm. And if this is going to be sort of experimental, as long as it remains interesting, I don't really care what they do. Mm-hmm. It's a little like the the Moon Knight book, really. I think that I think this shares something with that. Like, I don't know what they're going to do here because there don't seem to be any rules. And I find that intriguing because with so many other books, it's so easy to see what's going to happen, to know how things are going to go. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. They're, basically, at one point, you know, Thor just is like he's a, basically a god now. Because he's so angry and he's so smart and it's built up in the gamma and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it, it risks being ridiculous, but it's kind of okay because where else are you going to do that than in a Hulk comic book? Right. You know, like if you want to suggest a place that has no ceiling, this is the place. And it, again, as long as it's interesting, as long as it's well done, as long as I want to keep reading it, then that that's fine, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like him a little bit under this level, but I'm, I'm enjoying this for now. Yeah, like in this context, in this story, I don't think you keep him like this. You're just telling this story right now, and I, I think it works like that. Yeah. For sure. So I really liked this issue of Catwoman a lot. This was uh, one of my favorite books of the week. Catwoman number four, Joel Jones, art by Fernando Blanco mostly, and some Joel Jones are on pencils as well. This was an issue in which we get a glimpse into... It's not an origin issue, but it's a glimpse into Selena's past with her, I guess, foster family. How much of this do we know? Is no, I, I don't know any of this. You? I don't know okay. any of this. Do you know she had a sister? No. Okay. So on all the misery she brought along to the, these people just by, by being Catwoman. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really good. Joel Jones is doing something really interesting with Selena right now. Mm-hmm. Like Namor, like Hulk, it's kind of a tough character because she does ride a line, although she doesn't... Yeah murder people but she is a criminal basically um, who does occasionally good things and uh, I just like the character study here of Selena through the years from little kid to a teenager to where she is now I think it was good this is one of those books for me that I am wondering like do I enjoy this and 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 I say that like completely accepting the fact it's very it's very good Mm -hmm. it's very well drawn I'm not entirely sure I care Mm -hmm. and I'm not entirely sure that this is a good idea for the character long term. I realize like I don't know anything about the character, and I, I always kind of like that. So the more that you sort of go into the background and you explore the psychology or whatever, it's mm-hmm. it's so easy to fall into sort of tropes. I, that being said, I liked the setup of that flashback story. Yeah, you know where she she you know has that sense of self righteousness but no boundaries basically. Right, and the yeah. fat and the fat kid, and the people picking on him, and the fact they have the scary makeup on, uh, you know, all that was kind of interesting. And she has a gun and just doesn't give a shit. Like it all, it all adds up. The bits where the skull character, Black's, you know who that is? Yeah, he's a crime, crime, crime boss in okay. uh, in Gotham. You know, like that was a bit much. Like popping the eye out and the and the torture and everything. I was like, all right, it's a bit much. You know, if you think yeah. about. It, like, is this a, I mean, the, the, you're, you're firmly, like, that firmly puts this book in a camp for a certain kind of reader? We don't know why that happened. No. I mean, obviously he was torturing her, Selena's sister and her husband to get to Selena. So, but, we, mm-hmm. but, and then Selena's sister in the present is catatonic, basically, yeah. in, in a wheelchair because of the, uh, the Black Skull? No, Black Mask. Black, because of Black Mask's okay. torturing. But we don't know more than that. And there's clearly something happening because someone kidnaps the sister at the end or does something to her yeah. with medicine. So I think there's, there's a lot we don't know yet. But I just. I Did we finish off the last arc with the. Lady? Well, the arc. Yeah, didn't we? 
I don't remember. I read it, but not the week that I was supposed to. And I feel like I was left a little open ended, but no, she went to the she went to the crazy preacher sex party. Yeah. Well, I guess she she's, said, she's still in the background, I guess. Yeah, but she, but basically it was don't fuck with me. Right. And then I guess that was it. But I feel like that's got to come back around. The thing is, eventually, all the stuff just is becomes as ne- useful as needed. Like, Catwoman sure. before had a, in the 90s, had a long-running solo series. I don't remember anything about that series. Yeah. I, I think as needed is totally, like, it, like, if they get through this and they don't want to get rid of it, they'll get rid of it. Farmhand number four, Rob Guillory's book. And that's another one where I'm like, am I liking this? I can't tell. But then I really liked this issue a lot. It was, I, had a, I had that happen like five times to me this week. With books, that was on the fence about. You're, you're clearly looking for the way out. Well, I mean, we, you know, you you talked about cutting books, and I, you know, we read a lot of books, and I, I thought, yeah. well, maybe, you know, do I like it? I don't know. Some of the books I, I know I like, and some books I'm not sure about. But this one, um, this was my favorite one so far. I, I don't know if even though I'm not I'm not entirely sold on it. This was my favorite. Well, one. I think that it's it's tough to get your mind around because. It looks just like Chew, yeah, <laughs> but it's not Chew, um, and it's a different kind of thing. And 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 you know, to be fair, I think Rob is feeling his way through it too. Yep. You know, so it doesn't just look like Chew. It's just, and, I, and this is not a criticism, but it has the same no. sort of jokes in the background, all that stuff. So, yeah, and uh, that's just that's just his his, yeah, you know, his style basically. There's a lot of things to like about it, but I think you know, four issues in. I don't entirely know what this is because I don't feel like the scene is set. I'm There's compelled. a lot happening, but I don't know what any of it. And it's fine. I don't if it's a if it's a long running series. I don't necessarily need to know it all in yeah. issue four. But I think at some points you'll have to be a little bit clearer about what. I mean, there's this farm where they grow body parts. We've talked about this before. There's zombie trees and. This issue, we find out that the sister of the main character has been sent by the government to spy on this entire operation. There's a election, which I thought was the funniest bit here, the the, the, the campaign ads that kept interrupting the story. Yeah. I, I think that there's, you're right, there's a lot of moving pieces, and I think that it's a little hard to figure out where we're focusing. Because we spent time, I think, in the last issue with the kids, mm-hmm. and we've spent time with the dad, who is Rob, um, and then, you know, right. now we're with the sister, like... We are still setting the stage to a certain extent, so I don't feel like we have a lot of forward motion in terms of here's what the story is and here's what – you know, here's where we're going. or Not even where we're going, but but to sort of like, wow, where are we, where are we going next? Because I know what just happened. I, I still feel like we're setting the stage a, a little slowly. But I find it interesting because I it's not like – I have no idea what this is. I have no idea what to expect, and it's kind of interesting in that and, and you know – I I, I want to see what Rob does with it. I'm really interested in that part. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm still looking for the overall. I mean, because this is you know it's one of those image books. What is the overall story of this? Yeah. Um, it's not. I mean, it's not one of those things where it's a bunch of characters living in a world and it's vignettes. It's it's there's a story. We just don't know what it is yet. Mm-hmm. It's not a David yep. Simon show, but it's it's that's uh, I yeah I understand. I get uh, it's exactly that kind of thing. I mean that's giving him a, a lot of credit. But, no, I'm not, um, I'm, what I'm saying is it's not like set up as just live with all these characters. It is a there's clearly a story. I just don't know what it is yet. Right. Okay. Right. 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 Agree. Agree. I, I'm enjoying it. I don't know how much yet. I think I'm just I'm just sort of taking it in. But I'm. Um, it's definitely a thing that I can't quite put my. If, like, if you were to ask me to describe it, I could tell you what it is. But I don't. You know, that's just the surface of what it is. Mm-hmm. 
cool. Hey, so the Wildstorm Michael Cray number twelve came out. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the last issue of this. Uh, I can, we used to call this a maxi series. Yeah, it was twelve issues. This is the there was there was an ending. I don't know if they'll do more or not. And th- finally, after I finished reading it, I thought, is this Michael Cray a real character? And so, like, I, I looked him up, and it is. It's a character called Deathblow. Mm. Uh, which was one of the sort of wild storms. Like, one Did you of make those this Jim up? Lee's characters. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but again, it's part of uh, the wild storm, which is originally Warren Ellis's sort of reimagining of, of the wild storm universe. But in this, uh, it, it we, I've talked about it a lot, but basically yeah. it crosses over into a version of the DC universe where pretty much all of the superheroes are bad guys. Um, and the last few issues have focused on uh, John Constantine and Wonder Woman, her ending up being the big baddie, and Constantine very nicely, like originally seeming really evil, and then sort of being sort of that chaotic element. And at the end, uh, you know, you find out that one of those one one of the alien races, the Caribum or the I forget the Wildstorm alien races, is like living inside Michael Cray, hmm. you know, and and he has to share the space with him. But really, what this book was. It was the mainstream coming out of, of Brian Hill. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to reading this in the, in the, in the hopeful the yeah. collection that comes out because you you talked about it and then I was like, well, I just I'm too far behind. I'll just wait and get it all. Well, it's one of those things. Like I started reading it, I didn't have any context for it. I didn't know who who Brian Hill was. He, I know now he did a long run on the Top Cow book Postal, mm-hmm. and I've heard of that book. That book's been around. But as I kept going, like at first I thought this is ridiculous, and then as I kept going, I go, this is actually pretty good like this is a writer who has like hill has a pretty strong voice this is a launching pad other people must have noticed this too because his name has popped up a lot more since this book started a year ago yeah no i mean he did a short run on detective now he's got the outsiders coming out soon so just did some marvel stuff he did one of the what ifs that came out last week another thing like I've been, his, I haven't read a lot, but I've been impressed with what I have read. So I'm looking. It's I'll, the start I'll check of this moment. Yeah. yeah, and he's definitely like, he's he's got a real. There's a real strong sense of character going on in the background. In fact, there is a lot of, you know, sort of introspection of the main characters in this really thoughtful exploration of character and motivation and what's what's sort of going on beneath the surface and done pretty dang eloquently. So. You know, this is a guy I think you're going to start to see his name. His moment is starting now. He's going to be, you know, next, you know, within the next couple of years, he'll probably take over a couple of runs. And this was the thing that got him started. And and after completing and going through, I see why, you know, like mm-hmm. I, you see that that creator forming. Right. And Stephen Harris on and, and Dexter Vines on art um, did a really good job with what it was. This is sort of alternate view of, of these DC heroes as not even villains, really, as more as monsters. A lot of interesting ideas, uh, but a really strong through line throughout the whole thing, and I thought it ended pretty strongly. It was good. It was like it was like all that horror-y hero stuff, and then at the same time, almost like a like a, not a private eye, but just like a sort of one man on a journey kind of thing mm-hmm. that was really consistent all the way through. Cool. It was good. Oh, you know what I didn't do today? Shave. I didn't shave. I needed to. Because bathe, shave. I did bathe. I, I showered. Eat. I, I forgot. I did skip breakfast. I dropped my kids off, and then I went and I pick your kids up. Coffee. No, I dropped them off in the morning, and then I just I just had coffee. I didn't drink. I didn't eat any breakfast at all. I see. But what I need to do is shave because uh, I get that that stuff right along the neck. You know yes. where yep. where if you let it, it's itchy and it's uncomfortable. And the and the thing about Harry's is uh, it takes care of that. And and I've said this before, but it really does bear repeating. Like, 
I don't get the razor bumps. I don't get the irritated skin. I don't do a couple of reasons. One, those blades are really good and sharp and there's not too many blades. <laughs> there's enough <laughs> blades. Exactly not, the right amount of blades. Exactly. There's not so many blades. But also, they're affordable enough that I am not trying to get a little extra out of them, if you know what I'm saying. Right. I'm like, well, I can make this last a little longer. That always leads to skin problems. When it turns and to it, rust color and it, yep. the blade starts flaking off. So I don't I don't get that with the Harry's and 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 as a result of that like it, it really is always a good uh, non dramatic shave which is what I want I want it to just do the job and be done and then I'll come back when it's time to go again do the thing you're good at don't try to be everything yes just be the thing which is being a just great do blade the thing, which is what you want out of that yeah comfy handle you know the whole it doesn't slip that I really I cannot stress because i was here for harry's mark one with the <laughs> yeah. smooth blade nothing wrong with it but when we go to sort of the soft touch grippy blade world of difference it, the first mark yes. one beautiful i still have mine in the drawer just in case i do too but you know it did slip out a couple times and that's not their the, fault it's the just rubberized texture it just it's it's a little more confidence you oh oh right i didn't even know i needed this but i'm glad it's here yep so there it is harry's they stand behind the quality of their blades we were just talking about that and they know that switching raiders is not an easy decision so they created this trial offer that if you're listening out there you've been hearing these ads you've been thinking is it time that i do this it is you need to go to harrys.com slash ifanboy you're going to get the trial shave set with that so that's that's what you should be doing if you have it that's a 13 dollar Trial set value. It comes with everything you need. You've got a weighted ergonomic handle. We were just talking about that. The five-blade razor, no more, no less. The lubricating strip, that also did not exist on the early version. The lubricating strip came along later. The trimmer blade, again, uh, it was an improvement they made. So they are uh, innovating as they move forward, but not adding 9, 10, 15, 70 blades. That's not what's happening. Uh, You get a rich lathering shave gel along with that. And, of course, the coveted travel blade cover, which is now making its way onto our social media feeds as people begin to discover and talk about it as well, which I could not be more pleased with. So make sure you check that out. Uh, So as as you know, great shave comes down to great blades. It's sharp, durable steel. It lasts. But if you need to go to the next one, it's still affordable, like we said. Not not overly expensive. Uh, They bought a factory that's been making some of the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years. They're selling directly you over the internet, so that makes them a little more affordable. But I've also seen them in the Walmarts. I've seen them in the Targets. Uh, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than a leading brand, just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more. And if you don't love the shave that it gives you, uh, let them know within 30 days, and they will give you a full refund for that. So get over to harrys.com. Slash iFanboy, redeem that trial set. Again, it's if you go to Target or Walmart, that's not going to work. So, you know, I'm saying go to harrys.com slash iFanboy. And, and, you know, that way they know that we are the ones who sent you. And also, you don't have to go anywhere. Do what you need to. Get the razor is the important thing, is what I'm saying. So thank you, Harrys. Superman number four could have been picked solely on the Adam Hughes variant cover. <laughs> I have to go check the You vamp while I go look Page at that. Page three is the variant cover for... Holy moly. It's terrific. That could have been yeah. the pick. I just want to mention this briefly because we've mentioned every issue of Bendis' Superman that uh, this is the first appearance of Jonathan Kent, the son, in a yeah. flashback, and he does not have his voice. <laughs> not yet. He yeah. sa- he's a little kid. He says, succubus. Yeah, there was a little of that. He said, There's a couple of things he says that are very way too mature. He calls people gossips, those gossips. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, no. Still, I thought we had a deal, Bendis. No, no kids. I will say that I actually really like the point of that whole thing. 
Oh, I thought, I, this was a gr- I thought this was a terrific <laughs> issue again. I, the, I, just, I mean, that sequence in specific, he's like, so we could do what, John? And he wants him to say it. Yeah. And he's he's basically trying to say... Well, John's you know, having a tantrum, and he's like, we yeah. have all the power for... And these people are making fun of us. Why don't we do something? And he's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, something. Well, what? I don't know. And I, and I really... I liked the bit... You know, he's like, I want to. Sometimes I want to pop Batman's head off. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Like, and I, I really feel like something that's special about that relationship is that you don't ever hear Superman talk like that to anybody. But he's going to talk like that to his son of indeterminate age and intelligence <laughs> <laughs> and current place in the universe. Yeah, I like that. Adam, the Adam was great. The in whole this. sequence with the Adam and the Flash yeah. was terrific. So the. Uh, the Earth is trapped in the in the Phantom Zone. They have to get it out. So of course they turn to the Atom to figure it out. Of course the Atom wearing his dumb helmet from the New Fifty Two. We'll talk about that in a second in the next book. But the, of course he figures it out with a bit some harebrained Atom scheme, and the Flash helps him do it. And I, a ton I, of action, sort of, as you went through that last couple of pages. Though I was really like, wow, this is is this this is Superman. But like it was it was I was like, this is comic book action. This is good stuff. And of course they went. You know what was great. That page with Adam Strange in it. Let's do that again. <laughs> I, I I'm going to be honest with you. I literally laughed out loud when I, yeah, when I turned when I turned the page and he was yeah, still did. floating there. I just they I knew just they had a good thing. I just Go started laughing in my office. It's a great page. It's I, this. Listen, I'll, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this as long as it's still good. And I I think he's really got a hold on Superman right now. Yep. yep. Hawkman number five, Robert Venditti, Brian Hitch. I wanted to mention because Hawkman and the Adam team up. I don't you don't really need to get into why, but the point is that. They draw the Adam in the classic DC Adam costume, and it's terrific. There's no, there's no reason to give him an armor and a helmet. None. Now, going back to look at the helmet. If you're an old fan, like me, this is a good issue to read, where the Adam is helping Hawkman figure out his journey, because as we've learned before, he is not only reincarnating through time, but also through space, and also apparently into the microverse, where Adam is hanging out. So they have a little adventure together, and it's a multi-parter, so that's fun. I'll tell you what's a lot worse than the Adam's helmet, which I didn't notice was a helmet. Is whatever the fuck they put on Adam Strange's head. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's awful. This is a costume apocalypse we're in, we're we're in the middle of. People want to know what the, the current age is. It's the current age of terrible costume redesigns. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, there's a Darwin Cook from New Frontier where where Ad, uh, Adam Strange is uh, released from Arkham Asylum and he sort of flies to the air and uh, and that's. Why you don't ever need to do anything other than that? It's perfect. <laughs> it is ridiculous. He has a fin on his head. So what the help with aerodynamics? The fin is what makes it great, <laughs> not a helmet <laughs> with like a thing. The fact that it's a dumbass fin. He's a he's a fifty spaceman. I've I've been reading. He's a fifty spaceman. Yeah, he should look like it. Now he's back on Earth. He's going, oh, my old costume was here. <laughs> oh, it was in my closet. I only had the one. Oh, I got to wear this? <laughs> oh, God. Everybody on Rand makes fun of me. I hate this. I have been reading Crowded. I believe I mentioned the first issue. Wait, it wasn't a patron pick, was it? No, no. you did. You mentioned the first issue. This is the crowdsource murder or assassination yeah. book. Pretty interesting. I've been enjoying it. I, I missed the second issue at one point. I caught up, so I was on issue for this one. There's there's a little bit of a a character mystery going on. We still don't know why the one girl has been, you know, targeted by all these people. Uh, but I feel like we're really close to knowing, and I'm super curious about it. I like not the bounty or the protector person from Defend. I think is the name of the app that she comes from. Mm-hmm. 
and I like their relationship is fun and interesting. The two characters, you know, are, are very opposite. It's in this world, the libraries are a place where you would go to book a room because they're completely abandoned and nobody's there. And so, like, it's like a flop house, basically what public libraries have become. Hmm. And nobody will think to look for them because uh, all the libraries installed like uh, internet jamming. So you can't get a signal there or anything. You have to read the books. And so therefore they're safe there. It's an interesting and, and smart satire. And it's, it's, it's a really good example of world building uh, with a couple of characters in the middle. And also the, the art's super, super energetic um, and evocative and really fun. It's, it's been, it's been a fun ride. It's very, it really does remind me of like sort of the kind of books that I think Vertigo should be doing. Mm-hmm. This is what this that this feels like. Right. I dug it. More Steve Lieber. More Steve Lieber. Amazing Spider-Man number four. This is another great issue. Yeah. You you probably liked it more than I did because this is all about sort of humanizing Boomerang. Uh, Boomerang? What is his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boomerang. For me, like, like it seems like it's sort of going back to the well. You know, where, where Nick Spencer is going to go back and sort of use this character so much. Such a good character, and I'm I can't imagine all that many people read Superior Foes of Spider Man. No, this is so much fun. I have not looked forward to a Spider Man book being on the stands in forever. Were you saddened and heartbroken when it was revealed that his buddies were LMDs? No, I thought that was brilliant. (laughs) I really loved that bit. It's actually that's why this is here, yeah, because that little bit where basically the thing is, he's like. You know, Peter's like, listen, I still talk to Spider-Man sometimes, which is thin, but we just have to live with that disbelief. <laughs> and, and, and you know, we saw – you were seen with, with all your buddies, and he's just like, no, they're life model decoys that I play poker with. And it's the saddest thing ever. <laughs> That's what he did with whatever resources it took to buy several life model decoys. I have no idea why the Kingbin wants to get Boomerang so badly. I, I I don't know if I missed that. And then there's a mystery villain that comes out at the end who I also don't know or understand, but I don't know if I'm supposed to. Is that this is like that that villain seems to me like a leftover from the when the hand took over Hell's Kitchen. I forget what that did. Yeah, I don't know. And it, it'll be interesting to see because basically up to this point, Kingpin has been the mainstay of Daredevil. You know, Charles Soule's been. He 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 made Wilson Fisk the mayor. Like this has all been Daredevil's story. Now did, he's did Dick Spencer write that Daredevil story? Who wrote that? No, it's Charles Soule. No, 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 no. The the hand with the hand like like they take over that whole part of Manhattan. That wasn't Charles Soule, was it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's been he's been doing it for a long time. No, 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 no. That was before. That was who was on Daredevil before that? Let's not do this live on the air. I know, but I think it was a different thing. Anyway, I don't know who this person is. I, I, it's just interesting to see where they, because I know, I mean, Daredevil is still going after Kingpin, so it'll be interesting to see where Dare, Kingpin's story actually happens. But I mean, you're right. This book is terrific, and you know, Ryan Otley's great. But I think if Ramos is is also great, and he could be just the regular artist as well, it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't feel like we missed a step uh, with Ramos coming along, and and obviously, I, I have no problem with some Steve Lieber pages. Steve Lieber should be drawing that thing, quite honestly. But it'd be a different book then. I don't know if you noticed this week, Josh, but I've, we had about 50% of the books had inkers, which is completely unusual this, these days. Yep. That's quite strange. So those are the books we're going to talk about, but if you're a patron over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote. Every single patron can vote to add a book to the rundown every week on the show. And this week was a nail-biter. We had two books jockeying for position, and the winner was Murder Falcon number one from Image Comics, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. And he also did the letters, too. Colors by Mike Spicer. This is a Skybound book. 
I'm really torn about this book, Josh, because there's clearly a wing of Skybound and or Image that really loves these super wacky books like Shirtless Bear Fighter and this book. Was that Skybound? I don't know if it was Skybound, but it was definitely Image. And then there was going all the way back to the shark one. What was that one? Bear Shark? Shark Bear? Uh, 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 sea, sea, sea grizzly shark, shark sea, versus grizzly shark versus sea, grizzly shark versus uh, sea bear. I believe bear. that was your pick of the week. I believe. But the point is, there's this like small wing of the company that does these books that seem like a really funny idea if you're super high. On the other hand, I thought the art was fucking terrific. Yes, I loved everything about the art. I was very impressed with the art. Sea bear, grizzly shark, I wouldn't put in this category because that was just a one-off thing. No, but it's sort of like similar. You could put them all together. That is sort of this like over-the-top but that, kind but of. But that also is a kind of thing where like the guy who has been putting in years and years on one of your flagship books just said, can I do this thing? And they were like, all right. Sure, but what I'm saying is it's still that kind of sure. really over-the-top goofy animal story. Yeah, and but that one's by two really straight. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I saw the title and I thought, no. <laughs> and then I read it for about two pages. And I did think I go, that is really nice art. But I also thought, no. Because <laughs> it says, I brought metal. And I was rolling my eyes a little. But then I found out I actually had, because I checked it out basically. Like, should I read this? And then I went, no. Uh-huh. And then you people told me I had to. So I said, Fine. <laughs> But as I went through it, I did find myself enjoying it more than I expected to. I thought about you as a Reddit because, you know, you're a guitar player. This guy's a guitar player. I am. There's, there's a little essay in the back about how playing guitar has helped Daniel Warren Johnson through the hardest times in his life. And that's kind of what it's about. I was like, oh, this person understands something about playing music that is genuine. I could, t- I could tell that. The story of this book is that there's a, a dimensional rift. And so there are all these monsters coming through into our world. And there are defenders that can be summoned through the power of music. And Murder Falcon is summoned through the power of metal played by this dude's magic guitar or whatever it is. The subplot is that he's really depressed. He hasn't played guitar in years, even though he used to be in a semi-successful band because clearly his wife died. And there's flashbacks to her getting assumed with cancer and dying. And I liked that. that was all really good. And I thought the main character's trauma was interesting. It's the giant Murder Falcon that I don't really care about. I ended up sort of in the same place in that, I mean, part of me was like, I, can you just tell me the story of this kid who wanted to be a musician? You and four people will buy it. I know. And I recognize that because I've tried to sell that book and it didn't go. Once you get past the cold open, basically, and you you flash to two weeks ago and they sat on the bench and his old bandmate gives him a ride and then he goes out to dinner with his neighbor that I really like that. I was like, this is great. I'm all about this story. Right. <laughs> and then and then there's a giant gross spider monster and then the murder falcon and it's just it's uh, it, it's it's glossing over the human parts that were really interesting to me. But on the other hand, I understand two things. One, it's a comic book. Mhm. And you should use the medium to for what it is best for. And it, it might be possible that for a lot of people, sort of just human drama is not that thing. Two, if you can draw like this, it's probably more fun to draw. <laughs> like you get to do your story, but also with this, it is innovative and it is interesting, you know, as a way to sort of put something in here that is unexpected. 
you know, I, there's clearly an imagination here, but it is also still that like, here, let's put in a wacky uh, supernatural horror, sci-fi, whatever thing, instead of just telling a story. But like, the fact is, if that guy just drew this van, <laughs> I'd buy the book. Because that van is bitching. It's a great van. I want that van. I want to paint my truck with these graphics. The problem is, you know, normally when we talk about the patron pick, I have an idea in my head of what I'm going to rate it. Oh, yeah. No, no idea, huh? I have no idea. So let's, let's do ratings on Murder Falcon number one from Daniel Warren Johnson in Image Comics. Out of five stars... I mean, I'm kind of struggling with it being almost a four-star book just because I was so impressed with the art and I thought the human side was really good. It was. The color's really good. The color's by Mike Spicer? Yeah. I'm going to go... Yeah, the blue one, that van is... That van is delicious. van is awesome! I'm going to go 3.95. Just so everyone at home knows what's going on. If someone writes in at any point to complain about the numbers that we use while rating, those numbers are going to get wacky <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> and don't do it to make us do it, because I can tell when it's sincere and when it isn't. Yeah. But it's possible that that happened lately, and, con- <laughs> and we will stick it to you. Uh, I was, wow, I was going to say 3.5. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 3.75. I think that's a totally respectable... I, I'll say this. I first cursed the patrons when they picked it. It's like, ah, oh, fucking shirtless paraphighter book. And then I thought it was really impressive, even though it's not necessarily a story I want to read. I was really impressed by it. It's sincere. Yeah. And that shines through. Yeah. And even and even if I'm not into the part with the giant killer spiders, it's like, well, this is this is what this guy wanted to do. You know, like there's a there's a truth to that. It's on a different level. There's a heartfelt nature. It's not completely wacky and, and goofy, and it's got a really sad undertone to it, which I thought was really well done. That having been said, sticking with it, probably not. I might. The van's cool. The van's cool, and I really do like Murder Falcon's face. <laughs> I really like how that drawing... That van is fantastic. That's a Sean Murphy-level vehicle right there. Yeah, that's high praise. Yeah. Or Mike Huddleston vehicle if that if that rings any bells butcher baker remember that yeah drew the big trucks so that's the patron pick at patreon.com slash fanboy every single patron can vote on the book and we thank all those who do but if you give it a five dollar higher level we thank you on the show live with a well a a superpower we're not going to qualify what kind oh god a superpower you didn't think of a rating (laughs) (laughs) oh no (laughs) do you want me to go first nope i got this one okay okay Kendall Neck makes perfect cookies. I know that when I try to make homemade chocolate chip cookies, it's just they're not, it's not right. Perfect every time. Perfect every time. Not too crispy, not too chewy. They don't flatten out. And the thing is that there's a lot of variables. There's Yeah, you have a shitty oven. Your oven, whether it's inconsistent or just different from the other oven, the the pan, um, I've tried to buy high-end. Uh, you know, like the like you know the the hollow center sure. baking sheet. Uh-huh. You know the the uh, and I can't, you know I can't do it perfectly. Then my mother in law comes along. <laughs> oh no! In my living room, bakes a perfect batch of cookies, and my wife's looking at me like you know she does it really well every time, and I felt offended. 
Because <laughs> I put time into it and I thought about it. Kendall Neck does not have to worry about any of that. He'd be like, boom. You'd be like, what'd you just do? And he's like, just threw a pinch of bacon powder in there. Why'd you do it? He goes, don't worry about it. I got this. Because he's bringing in altitude. He's bringing yeah. in the barometer reading. He's What you don't understand, Josh, is the humidity. Is effect- so I had to change this. And you're just like, ah! He's, he's like walking up to the oven. Nothing's even turned on. Giving a little one of these like, oh yeah, no. You know what? Bring the salt down on that just a little bit. Just a little bit. You'll just be you be sitting there. <sighs> you're having a conversation. Kitchen smells great. He goes, take them out now. You know what's great is that, and you have no way of knowing this, is that right before we recorded this, I had I had dinner. But I didn't get to have my big cookie that came with the delivery. So really your timing <laughs> couldn't have been better. I, I like that you before you said that came with delivery, and then I pictured a world that every night at eight PM, <laughs> Connor's time for big cookies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Corey D, Corey D has the power to communicate with all animals, but only through the playing of a harmonica. Go on. He can. He can when he plays the harmonica. The animals understand. It's like he he speaks their language through the power of the harmonica. He plays it. They understand what he says. Does he have a belt like John Popper that has all the different keys? Or is it just one harmonica? And if so, what key is that harmonica in? He has many harmonicas depending on the genus of the animal. Mm-hmm. So if it's like a sea creature. And I don't know if the genus is the right word. I'm not, I'm not Ryan Hopp. Uh, if it's a sea creature, if it's a woodland creature, if it's a bird. Kingdom phylum genus. I was going to say phylum, but I didn't know if that was right. Family. Either. I didn't do well in science class. Species. There was a, there was an, there was a, uh, what's the word that you use to remember something? <laughs> <laughs> Anagram? Mnemonic aid. Mnemonic, mnemonic device. Mnemonic. mnemonic device. Yeah. The point is he can he play can the, up, he can, he can, yeah. you can tell that bird, hey bird, and he can, and the bird understands what he's saying. Is there a specific genre with which he he blows his mouth harp? I mean, it's a little blues travelerly. Now that you mention uh-huh. it, sure. Uh-huh. Is there any other genre you can play a harmonica in? It's a good question. Folk, but even <laughs> that's just kind of blues. I don't know. I, there's uh, is there a symphonic harmonica? I don't know. You're asking mm-hmm. the wrong guy. Ask the murder hawk. Murder hawk. Is it a hawk? I keep saying hawk, but it's not. It's falcon. It's not. It's murder falcon. So Corey D can communicate with animals via harmonica. Turns out that while I stalled that whole time, I did not think of a great <laughs> idea. Sometimes an adequate idea is all right. Even That's a, true. Even a less than stellar one. People out there might not know that I am trained to a very small extent in the arts of improv, which is why right now I'm going to tell you that what Eric Wood does mm-hmm. is that he can use any vehicle in an extreme off-road situation. Here's what I love about this. My next power is also vehicle-based, but we did not coordinate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So say that he's driving along one night. Best car he's got. It's a 96 Cavalier. Right. But he's got to cut through. Wide wheelbase. Up and over a mountain. Now, most people, you wouldn't want to take the Cavalier under those circumstances. No. The wheels are not big enough. The, the the ground clearance is abysmal. We're not even talking about power. It's a front-wheel drive. You're asking to be stuck in the mud almost instantly. None of this is a problem for Eric. Eric 
just knows exactly how to handle it. Some vehicles, some more modern vehicles, have uh, computerized traction control where it just it applies just the right amount of uh, drive to this wheel, a little brake to that one to make sure that you always have the maximum traction. Eric just does that with just his regular foot pedals. It's supernatural is what it is. RC Gamut. RC Gamut can turn RC's car intangible, thus negating traffic. Would he not just do that? So he would do that as a default on any trip. No, no, it can just, it, it's like you put your hand on the car and it turns intangible. Also, uh-huh. can, it's not always intangible, but it can go that way. Because well, like, sometimes you don't want it to in... be intangible. What, what would be an example of that? Like you're sitting in a traffic light, people walk through you because they can. It's annoying. Oh, you, you don't want that? Is it? No. I bet it feels weird. Yeah, it's I bet like, it's like, oh, no, come on. Hurt me, but it's, it's invasive. Plus, people can stick their face in your car, look around. So, uh-huh. you know, sitting on the 405, maybe. Okay. But why would he be sitting on the 405 if he could turn the car intangible and then just go through traffic? It's just instinct. There wasn't supposed to be traffic. I begin to suspect that this wasn't a well thought. No. <laughs> I, th- I see a great deal of benefit from that. I mean, theoretically, you could turn the car intangible and just drive straight, literally straight to your location through buildings bet, and trees and cars and people. I bet RC is not a great parallel parker, but in the end, the car is exactly where it needs to be. Oh, for sure. Just drive up the, <laughs> up the street through the cars. If you gave him a regular car, it would be awful. But the fact that it's intended is like he gets exactly where it needs to be, then, you know, firms it up, walks away. Good to go. Hasn't parallel parked for real since the driving test? I have not parallel parked since I got my truck. <laughs> I can imagine that. And you just drive over people to get to your spot. Yeah, I park. Yeah, I have to look for big spots. You take two spots at a time? No, I haven't done I wouldn't do that. That's awful. Patreon.com slash iFanway. That's how you can help us out. You can by donating and you can give, you can vote in the patron pick. You can you can get your patron power at a certain level. And, and also you can help us reach our next stretch goal, which we've talked about. We added a new feature to the next stretch goal. The original stretch goal is still in play, which is a monthly non-comics media podcast in which Josh and I will talk about something from media outside of comics. We've, we've already just promised the first one will be our epic debate about Almost Famous, which Josh hates and I love. And then the second, uh, oh. second feature of that goal is we will uh, add all of the missing full-length and mini iFanboy video shows to our YouTube channel. The, there's about, I don't know, three years, two years worth of shows. that You're picked. saying that there are two... Two. Two for one. It's a twofer. Wow. It's a two for one. So all those shows that are missing that you that you have may have seen or may not have seen, if you're a new, new listener, you don't know, we did a video show for very many years. About half of them got taken off the web by people who used to r- distribute the show, and now we can, we'll put them back for you if you hit the next stretch goal. So that's how you can help us out directly. Also, fanboy.threadless.com. You can find our t-shirts and our mugs and our bath mats and our shower curtains and all kinds of things have our designs on them. The, mo- the most popular one, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters, is still selling like hotcakes. It's by far our number one seller. So we thank everyone who buys a t-shirt or a mug. Fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help us out directly via PayPal. And Fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can help us out by checking out the books we talk about in the books blowed, as well as the general link to Amazon. Everyone who helps us out through all the various means, we do thank you very much. Hey, we got voicemails. 
Hey guys, it's Brad from New Hampshire, and here's what I'm thinking about. I've been a comics reader for over 40 years and a music fan for over 30, and vinyl records have made a comeback. In the last 10 years, vinyl has become the cool way to listen to music now. It's hip to buy records again. So my theory is that old-fashioned printed comics could make a comeback the same way vinyl albums have. I think the old floppy comics are analogous to vinyl LPs in a lot of ways. Trends do tend to loop back on themselves. What is out of fashion today becomes the next hipster trend. Let me know what you think. So is that how you all sound in New Hampshire, Josh? Like ready for radio? With excellent recording? I mean, geez. Yeah. You know what? If they all sounded that good, we'd, it'd be a better world. This is a per- clearly a person who appreciates fidelity. The, the, the jokes you make about New Hampshire accents didn't come through from Brad's voicemail. Nope, nope, it's excellent. Uh, some New Englanders issue the, the the sound of the accent, and and they and they have wonderful diction. Well, you you never know. I lived in New York either. So. It's a good point. Yeah, I talk like the people on TV, and so do you. So, will comics make a comeback? Like vinyl has made a comeback. So, before we get into it, I'm not sure if he means comics in general or just the paper version. I don't think. Well. Okay, it may not surprise any of you listening to know that I am aware of these topics. Sure, we both we both buy vinyl all the time. Yes, yeah, and I'm not new to it. I've been I've been doing so for quite a while, and I, obviously I get comics too. I I think I think let's, they're let's, the same let's, people. Let's take it as he means comics in general, not paper, because that wouldn't make any sense. Because paper is the dominant medium. Let's talk comics in general. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, no. And, and the reason I say this, I think that it's the same people buying them. And I don't mean to say like they're the exact same people, but the kind of people who read comics are the kind of people buying comics. And the kind of people who want to listen to music in a specific way like that are the people who are buying the records. And now there's a there's a uh, a basis for that. There's well, an infrastructure. There's my my no is similar, but it's more basic. Is that music? Is way more popular than comics. This is just a, it's not like music went away and came back. It's just just, a, just this form of listening to it, whereas comics are a different medium entirely. So it's not like people were reading comics in a different way and now they're going to come back to paper. It's it's not exactly a comparable anal- um, analogy. Yeah, no, that that's a really good point because you're right. Is that comics didn't? Yeah, like music never music never went away. That wasn't a thing. Comics, like the overall readership, is shrinking and shrinking. But I, I think what it is is that so the kind of music listener who then went looking for that vinyl experience, I, a person who is reading comics still. So it wasn't like there was there was I guess a large population of people who were reading comics at one point. Yep. That was the seventies. In before in sixties, yeah. yeah, you know, and and then I mean, sort of in the yeah, yeah, to, to a certain extent, but you know, like they all left to do other things as more media became available. If you think about, you know, like as home video became a thing and cable channels, and there was just all of this other stuff, then the sort of value that they got back for reading comic books shrank and went away, and to a, a, a large extent, that has been replaced by comic book movies. And they went, oh, good, I get my fix of this thing I liked, but I don't, have to, I don't have to buy the books, I can see the movies. So the only people left are the enthusiasts, whereas out of music, the people buying the vinyl are, are the enthusiasts. They're that group. 
Does that make sense? So you said the comic reader is the vinyl buyer in the in in, yes. in the so it, it, you just never had just the other the, thing happen. You did, but they're gone. No, what I mean is there's, there's never like it's not like at one point everyone in comics went to read them digitally and then they're like, oh, I missed paper and they went right. came back. That's, they just went and did something else. They yeah. stopped reading comic books altogether. People didn't stop listening to music. They still listen to it on the radio or they have their MP3s or they stream or they you know whatever. But the people just stop reading comics. So then what you're left with is the people who buy vinyl and the people who are still buying comics. So I, I could see – I mean I could see a thing where in – theoretically in 50 years, people who – and comics are no longer in paper. People went, people would say, oh, I want to go back to reading on paper. But again, you wouldn't print them because the economics of printing a comic versus printing a, an album are completely different. And it's not exactly a one-to-one. It isn't, but I do. I do think that there there is a but similar. It's a, it's a sim, but it's a sim, you're right. It's a similar subset of each genre. It's a similar drive. I, mean, of I think. I medium. think one of the things that I noticed when I, like I said, I, I started buying records quite a while. I've got records that I bought, you know, well over a decade ago. I didn't really get into it too much because honestly, I moved out of L.A. and I didn't have great record stores around, and I didn't really have anywhere to put them, so I sort of put that on hold. But in that sort of interim, like records became a thing, and all of a sudden everybody is reissuing and putting them out, yep. and and you can buy them. and And I was flipping through records one day, and I had been so in inured into digital music and the convenience of it. And it's great, don't get me wrong, it's wonderful. But the idea of of like holding the tangible thing and also having to make a choice. It's a different relationship to music when you have to actually go and put it on and flip it over and you only get a certain number of songs. You can't just keep switching endlessly through music. You have to really choose right. to want to listen to an album. And you're choosing what you – I mean this is – it's funny because when I was a kid, I was annoyed because I couldn't afford all the CDs I wanted. So I had to make a choice. But now I have to do that again, but it's for a completely different reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had to make a choice then because I wanted all this stuff, but I couldn't get it. Now I have to make a choice because I have everything. And so when I buy a record, I kind of make sure that it's a record – it's something I love. Or that there's there's some reason that I'm buying it, and I feel like I feel like that's very close to people who are still buying paper comics, in a collector sense. Yeah, you know, like like no, I want to I want to own this thing. It's sort of how you I don't think are so much, but you were with trades. You know, like oh, this is a thing I want in my library as yeah. a, as a I still am a thing. Yeah, and but that's the same instinct I think. Sure. So there's there's definitely a relationship there. There's a relationship. I, it's just that comics don't have the the digital. Comics have a digital side, obviously, but it's it's the niche part of the yeah. hobby, not the other way around. Let's do one more quick one. Hey, iFanboy guys, it's Drew from Ohio. I'm curious about the patron picks, and if you've been tracking the breakdown of publishers. Most of them seem uh, to be indie focused, which I think is awesome. Uh, some real obscure and cool stuff in there. And uh, I would love to know, you know, kind of what the breakdown has been across uh, the various publishers that have been uh, patron picks. Thanks. Great show. We appreciate every voicemail we get, even ones recorded at a hangar at a jet repair shop. (laughs) Drew, talk to Brad. So let's... (laughs) Drew, you asked for stats, and you know I'll oblige. You don't have to ask me more than once. I had not been tracking the patron picks. Uh, I, I do track normally the regular picks, and I this was a discussion. Where was it in the patron hang? No, it was in the six fifty episode, right? About bringing that back. Anyway, I I did this for you today, Drew, just especially for you. So I only did this year's patron picks, um, and this is just some really quick stats from them. There's been forty five books. We've had three ties this year, 
One of them was a three-way tie. So there's a couple of extra books. It hasn't been 45 weeks, but 45 books have been patron pick. And I think uh, I was surprised, and I think Drew will be surprised by the numbers here. Um, because I think there's been a, there's been a feeling that, that the patron pick is mostly image number ones. Do you have that feeling? Have you had that feeling in the past? Yeah. Yeah, that, that seems to be. There's certainly a a discussion on the patron, uh, page and on the the Facebook group. It's that, or I think that they're like big mainstream issues tend to get votes because I think that there's a, you tell me if this is true with stats. I think that there's a fear that we're not going to read it. That could be, and, and, and that's true. So let's talk about the stats real quick. There's only a couple of stats I took. So out of the 45 books, 37 or 82% were number one issues. Josh, there hasn't been a comic as the patron pick that was not a number one since June. Wow. That really speaks to the sort of immense glut of product. The last 17 patron picks have been number one issues. Wow. Yeah, and if you add, I mean, if you go back to April, the April 4th pick, which was Xerxes' number one, uh, there's only been two books in that time frame that were not number ones. And they were they were the same week. It was a tie. So it speaks to a glut of new product, but it also speaks to a thirst of the patrons, at least. For us to check out a new book. Yeah. They wanted to know if the new stuff coming on is worth the time, or at least have a better understanding of what it is. It's almost like they're using us for market research. So this is where I think Drew will find it most interesting. Marvel was the most picked publisher with 15 out of 45 or 33% of the picks have been Marvel books. Mm-hmm. DC has had 10 of the 45, which is 22%, which together makes 50, 55%. So over, just over half of the books chosen at Marvel or DC, unless you add in the two books that were DC crossovers with other companies, other companies published like Archie meets Batman 66 and Batman the max. Those were both published by Archie and IDW respectively, but they were also co-published by DC. So really, DC at 12, which is 26%, which is 60% of the books have been Marvel or DC, which is way more than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Image had 10 for 22%. Dark Horse had 5 for 11%. IDW had 3 for 6%. Archie had 1 for 2%. And Boom had 1 for 2%. I mean, it's 82% when you take in Marvel, DC, and Image. Do you think that that is because people aren't seeing what they want out of some of the other higher tier indie publishers i don't know like for me i genuinely scan those listings every week and i genuinely rarely find something i want to read yeah i go i go all the way through the entire diamond list every week i don't find personally that the talent is as spread out as it once was it's really concentrated in three to four to five companies and Mm -hmm. mostly at the top three and I want to be reading the talent that I think is really good. There's a lot of people that are making comics, and they're just they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting. I I thought it, it is. I mean, you've got books like West Coast Avengers, and you have Cosmic Ghost Rider. The Immortal Hulk was a patron pick. Black Panther was a patron pick. Venom. So I mean, you got a lot of big books. Hunt for Wolverine, mm-hmm. Mighty Thor. But then you get books like The Seeds, Black Badge, Bully Wars, Man Eaters. Yeah. So you, there's a real there is a real spectrum, but uh, I was a little surprised. I mean, Image wasn't a patron pick until February 14th. Before that, it was all Marvel and oh, I'm sorry, that's wrong. It was in the first Ice Cream Man was January, but there's only a couple of images until you get to like April, and then it just then mm-hmm. it doesn't. But you know, it's interesting. It is interesting what gets votes and what doesn't. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. 
So thank you to Brad yeah. and to Drew for uh, recording a voicemail and sending it into contact.fanboy.com. You can do that if you want to get it on the show. You don't have to just write us an email. You can also send a voicemail. And if you do a voicemail, 30 to 40 seconds is about the ideal time. So keep that in mind <laughs> when, you're, when you're recording. But we'll take anything. We had, we, had, we had some other voicemails that we didn't get on the show, but thanks for sending them in. And also all the emails we get, we wish we could do them all, but we can't. If I may follow up on something from earlier. Yeah. Shadowland was the name of yes. the storyline uh, in which the west side of Manhattan was taken over by the hand Who completely. Was that? Written by Andy Diggle. Right. Right. That was eight years ago. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> and the the god of the hand is known as the beast. The beast of the hand. He's a demon that is worshipped by the hand, the snake root clan, and the true believers. And I believe that might be the character in Amazing Spider-Man. Well, we'll find out. I guess we will. So, Josh, do we have upcoming shows? I mean, we should, right? <laughs> that should be a thing. I know that we did have a Booksplode on Superman Blue, mm-hmm. Volume 1, where we talked about the coming of the Blue Superman costume and the and the greatness of these late 90s DC comic books that maybe we were not able to appreciate at the time. Mm-hmm. I know that was a thing. Sure. I know that there was a Talksplode coming up close to the end of the month. I know who it's going to be. I do not announce who the person is until after I have that recorded. Trust me. Because you're a professional. Well, it's, it's, it's been a good policy, it turns out. Because <laughs> I've wanted to tell you many times about somebody who never ended up being on the show. <laughs> so that, that will be a thing. That's, of course, a patron reward. So look forward to that before the end of October. You can stop asking. We are not doing a Venom show. Clearly, you're not listening through the show all the way to the end because we've mentioned that probably 10 shows in a row. We say at the end of the show. We're not doing a Venom show. We're not doing a Titans show. We're not doing a Daredevil Season 3 show. The next special edition show, I believe, will be Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. So you can look forward to that. But I did want to mention really briefly, I'll talk about it more next week. I had a book come out, a comic book come out, sort of. I edited a, edited a book for my company, my day job. We have, we're an entertainment company with a lot of divisions, one of which is a video game division, one of which is a publisher, and I work for the publisher. And we did a comic based on one of the video games we're doing, on the, in one of the video game teams doing. And it's called Dreadnought Legends, number one. And it's available now on Steam. If you go and download Dreadnought, which is free to play, uh, you can find it in a bundle. It's $1.99. And I got some of my, our old friends to work on it. Paul Montgomery, our old co-host, co-wrote it with Dave Acampo, our old friend who did some work for iFanboy. And we got these great uh, artists out of Brazil, Priscilla Petralis and Marco Lesko did the art. And Dave Sienkiewicz did the cover, which was uh, crazy. Or Bill Sienkiewicz might have Dave. Also. Dave was Bill's cheaper cousin. <laughs> I don't know why I said Dave. <sighs> Blue, your biggest moment in the whole thing. Dave Sinkevich. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. I didn't even know you knew how to do any of that. <laughs> so Bill Sinkevich did the cover. He was great. I, was, I would love it if at that moment you went, oh, oh shit. <laughs> so that did not look like I was expecting it, to be honest. Check it out on Steam if you're a gamer. You know what Steam is. Uh, you can play Dreadnought for free and you can, you can get the comic in a bundle. And then next week, we're going to talk about it some more and it might be available in other places too so we'll talk about that next week awesome in the meantime head over to fanboy.com find all of our podcasts find all of our special editions and our booksplodes and talksplodes and everything we've done in the last you know 10 years of our lives is on there so you can check that out there find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking ifan- like ifanboy at facebook.com slash ifanboy and following ifanboy on twitter and follow us individually at J. A. Flanagan on twitter and instagram and cs kilpatrick on instagram 
The way this engine runs, it's not by massive marketing budgets uh, that, that are controlled by a corporation no. and their, their, their marketing arm who's, who's trying to get our brand off into everywhere. That's not how it happens at all. Nope. It's, a, it's, it's little things like uh, you leave a review of the shows you like, uh, whether it be this podcast or another podcast. Uh, you know, those iTunes reviews, star ratings, uh, written reviews, those are a big deal. Um, and, of course, we appreciate everybody who's done that. A long time ago, we had this sort of competition with the now defunct comp podcast around comics. Well, clearly we won. Or did they win? <laughs> Think about it's, it. It's like it's like the Roman Empire versus, you know, like a small village in Mesopotamia at this point. We, we trounced them. We trounced fact. them, but then they're free. That is an excellent point. As far as I understand, <laughs> they're all happy people living private individual lives. Right. And I've, I talk to Chris Neesman from time to time. He doesn't seem to miss it. It's not, <laughs> I don't get a sense of regret from that. I get a sense of calm, a sense of peace. He's got free time? He's happy. Just, it's strange. I joke. I do miss those guys. I would, yeah. I would, that if there was still a comics podcast by them, I would actually listen to that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the point being, that is how that works. Your word of mouth, um, using social media, using uh, actual words in person to people, and recommending the shows and passing them around, um, just like you would with any, with any show. If you find a thing you really like, I had shared my local NPR station started a true crime podcast called Bear Brook, and it is excellent, and I want everyone to know about it. This is not fictional. It's true. It's non-fictional. That's what the and, word true means, Connor. Yeah. True cream. Yeah. True cream. True wow. cream. Dave, Dave, Dave loves that true Dave's cream. Kevin was telling me about yeah. his comic, True Cream, which... You got, you got to get the true cream on your car. He did it with uh, with Gene Chaikin. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a long, it's been a long couple of months, guys. Oh, uh, yeah. So, that was awesome. Some people don't listen to the end. And they blew it. And I don't know why. It's the best part of the show. <laughs> so, and until next time, I'm Connor. Bill over you invite <laughs> me into your house. And then you say you gotta pay for what you break. Going back to Kansas City.